You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When I started doing these one-on-one podcasts, one of the first guys that came to my mind was a guy I worked with in radio when I was first starting out. In Toby Rowland. He's uh, a good friend. I'd known him for a long time. About as long as anybody in the business. Uh, both kind of the same age. Kind of grew up together uh, in this. But I'd say Toby and Curtis and I. Curtis and Patrick. All kind of uh, went through some of the same ups and downs together. Uh, getting into this business. And Toby is uh, he's doing great. He's the voice of the Sooners now. Uh, has a morning show on KREF Radio that actually <laughs> butts up against mine with the morning animals. But uh, we still remain friends. And uh, wanted a chance to really get down to earth with Toby in a podcast like this. Talk about uh, some of our, our thoughts on... Well, Toby was really fascinated with the media uh, in Oklahoma City, which it is kind of a fascinating subject. Maybe for us, maybe not so much for the casual fan, but... Uh, we talked a lot about that, uh, but Bob Stoops and kind of our relationships with him and how they've changed over the years and how Bob Stoops has changed over the years. And I really wanted to see if Toby would talk about uh, a, a part of his life where he was given the job as the Oklahoma City Thunder sideline reporter. kind of had that ripped away from him uh, by a place that we worked for. It was really interesting getting to hear his take on that and hear him. I, I really appreciate him kind of opening up a little bit and talking about that. Uh, but just you'll hear from him, but just a, a major disappointment for him professionally. It all ended up working out great. And I was also uh, really enjoyed the conversation hearing him talk about his relationship with Joe Castiglione and how much time he actually spends in the broadcast booth during games. That was surprising to me even a little bit. So I uh, want to thank Toby for uh, coming in studio and, and uh, spending an hour with us just to talk about uh, well, everything about sports, about being the voice of the Sooners and uh, his journey along uh, in broadcasting, growing up, uh, his family, things like that. So without further ado, it's our next one-on-one series with Toby Rowland. All right, so last time we did kind of a little one-on-one podcast. It was with uh, Jason Kersey from the Oklahoma after he left to uh, go to Arkansas, uh, where apparently he's very happy because Brett Bielma's a fantastic quote. How'd it go uh, with Kersey? Uh, thank you. That voice you heard is uh, Toby Rowland. Oh, I haven't been introduced yet. You haven't I'm been sorry. introduced yet. What you, I thought you were in radio. Oh, sorry. I'll wait my turn. <laughs> well, I don't know what you did before. I'm sure like you like had a... Like, were you with Josh and Eddie, and you said, hey, I'm going to have a, Toby yeah, on today? Like, it's a, yeah, I did say that. Like, it's a whole produced thing, like, when all of us get together, mm-hmm. like, I paid a big voice guy to, like, you know, say I've heard your podcast. Names. You have? Okay. Yeah, I, I listened to... I, listened to, I don't uh, know why you would listen to my podcast. I listened to the one before this, On the Way Down, just to get a feel for it, Uh huh. and it was awesome. There was a, a great story about the beheading of a goat. It was very disturbing. A little dream. You know LP, LP Pinnell, right? I mean, I you know, know the name. I don't okay. think we worked at the same time. Okay. Did we? Was you I there at the same remember. time? He, uh, if you knew him, you would just say, yeah, that makes sense. That's that really bad if that. he's listening to this and he, we were like best friends or something. 
<laughs> I don't think we will. He like interned you for you for like Maybe. three years or something. Draymond, there's a lot of Draymond Green Snapchat talk on there. Yeah. So I think this is maybe the riskiest thing I've ever done is be on your podcast. What's the worst word you've ever said on radio? Like, I mean, you accidentally say things uh-huh. sometimes. Like I mispronounced Marshall Falk's name on a yeah. television broadcast one time. But I you're, can see where that would go. Yeah. But you're not saying that. You're saying I actually said a word and said I wish I couldn't. Wish I could have a bat. Well, like, you know, a, a word that might be okay by FCC regulations, but in the, you know, Toby Rowland household. Well, first off, let me, okay, let me. Well, you know, let I me, don't curse, you know that. I know you don't. And yeah. I, Barry Trammell, I didn't think did, but I've heard him curse. Really? Oh, yeah. I've never heard that. Oh, yeah. What that sound I'll like? tell you the story. Was it awkward coming out of his mouth? It, it was I mean, in a room full of people. What word was it? BS. Shut up. Are you serious? Yeah, I see. And I'm, I don't want to be the one to break this podcast barrier. Like, I want to keep a sense of, like, I think people listen to, you know, my, me on the sports animal, and they think, oh, well, that guy probably cusses a lot, you know, mm-hmm. behind the scenes. By the way, if I wasn't sitting here right now, you totally would have said the word, right? On this podcast, you would say it, right? I don't think it's too strong for this podcast. Okay. I, res- I am trying you. to be respectful. Because... Okay, first, let me just reset real quick. I know what the answer to your question is, by the Toby way. Toby Rowland, the voice of the Sooners. Are you used to hearing that, by the way? Being Following your name every time it's said? It is weird. So Toby Rowland, voice of the Sooners. There's like a label with your title, which that doesn't come with a lot of jobs. So yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a little odd. Uh, he is our podcast guest. Toby and I used to do radio together, and it was the only thing that really made that job bearable. Working for that company. Six to seven, uh, right? Six to seven, yes. Is that right? It was my my foray into waking up early, which should, up to that point was never really a strength of mine. It is now? No, but I've managed to do it without getting fired and show up you know, fairly consistently Good on early you. in the morning, which was often a problem when we worked together. <laughs> from time to time but both of us not just you which until i moved directly across the street from the studio <laughs> so i wouldn't be late so much and i wouldn't get tickets for flying through downtown norman how long did we do that show together i you know it was so i had so many partners like i think i started with steve marshall <laughs> jim byers was next mm-hmm. um me and Anthony Fogel did a show together for a while. Awesome. Uh, and then me and I think Tram and I did too. And then me and you somehow just ended up. We had That's a lot when of the magic fun. happened. Yeah, when you and I got together. I, it was the most fun I've ever had. I mean, I don't want to slide anybody I'm working with now, but up to now, I'll say if we could. It's please the most fun. If cut there this was out for Spinozzi and Curtis. <laughs> let them know. Curtis, yeah, Curtis is the one that would. Yes, they would both. Like Phil could handle through. it. Like Phil's probably had like 700 radio partners. What you're life. saying, just to clarify, is the most fun you've ever had in radio up is in, when you worked with me. Okay, I'll, I'll let I'll allow that. Okay, so it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Like four people were listening. I I enjoyed. You know, hanging out with you every day. I think, I've always told you, I think you're fantastic on the radio. And you do one of the hardest things there is to do, which is to carry a show all by yourself. Well, TJ. TJ's definitely a co-host. TJ's going to listen, isn't he? No, I mean, I I don't, he probably will listen. I think everyone at both of our stations will be listening to find out if we, (laughs) either one of us say anything that could get us in trouble. Probably people are shocked that we get along. 
It is kind of a I told TJ I was coming thing. here today and he said see if he ha- if all of his furniture is inflatable. <laughs> <laughs> he said in my mind Murdoch has nothing but inflatable furniture. <laughs> see here's the thing. I have very nice furniture, uh-huh. but it still looks like an episode of Hoarders. In your house? Yes. I mean, you can see. You're staring gonna, right into I'm my living com- room. I'm not going to comment on that. This you're- is what happens when you decide to become a single man and, you know, forego the wife and children. Is it's that like- a decision you made? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm just saying. I mean, you, no, you're I, open to the idea of marriage, more, right? It's more. Yeah, sure. Okay. But I'm just saying it's more a cautionary tale. Okay. Like if yeah. you're thinking like. I just want to keep bouncing around from woman to woman. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just, no, once you get into your 40s and you're single, like, you you probably have to give up or just try really, really hard to not be single anymore. (laughs) Otherwise, this, when I'm I'm raising my arms very well. You're doing very well for yourself. (sighs) This is an impressive setup we have here, by the way. This is more impressive than my first radio. I know what the worst word I said was. What was it? Uh, we had a caller one day early in my KREF days. Was it Benny? Who got mad at me. It wasn't Benny. I don't even remember who it was. It might have been Sean, but I doubt it. And he used the D word, yelling at me. And I repeated, really? what, I repeated what he said back to him. So I said it back to him. <laughs> Which I will say this, and since we are the odd couple, Dick is actually... Not that word. Oh, really? <laughs> no. Dumbass? No. D- d- uh, damn. Oh damn! Okay, yeah. yeah, you went way beyond. You, you, it's impressive the rolodex of D words you came up with <laughs> <laughs> on the fly, and I repeated it back. Well, to I him. just, you know, the first one has been in the news a lot lately. So there was a call. My dad, you know, my dad is a pastor. Yes, yes, uh, very important religious man. Yes, and uh, he had left me a voice message after the show, letting really? me know that he was. He was a little disappointed in me. Now, is was he in Indiana then, and now he's in Oklahoma, or was he always in Oklahoma? At that time, I think he was in Oklahoma. Okay. They moved here. It's been about 12 years ago now. Okay. So um, Now that I'm totally off track. It's okay. You can, you, I want you to feel like you can be free with me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't censor yourself. Well, that's yourself. not a problem. But no, I, you know, we started you know, working together, and like I said, I... I admire the hell out of you as far as being able to just carry a show by yourself. And I know TJ pipes in every once in a while. Um, and I like TJ. We've always gotten along. Much more than pipes in once in a while, but I appreciate what you're saying. You're, the way things worked out for you, and you know, you were in TV, you won two Emmys as a television guy. Everybody loved you as a television guy. And then you decided to give that up and just do stuff for Oklahoma. How bad is Dean Blevins? <laughs> what do you know? No, listen, Dean is. Uh, I did not. That was a very good lead me down one alley and hit me upside uh-huh. the head with another question. Um, Dean is a quirky guy. Everybody knows that. Even his wife would say that. I think Dean would say that he's uh-huh. a quirky guy. But I owe the world to Dean, and this is just not me being politically correct. Honestly, Dean and Bill uh, hired me. Back in 1999, uh, and I, for those who don't know, I interned for Bill and Chris Harrison and Ed before that back in 1995, but it was it was Dean and Bill. Bill called me in 99, said we're looking for an associate producer, the sports department, and uh, brought me in, and uh, he said, I like you, I want to hire you, you know that, but you're going to have to get Dean's approval, because Dean was also co-hosting the 10 o'clock show, ben, the, the Blitz then, and uh, so he had to sign off on me. And they both hired me, and then, of course, 
um, unfortunately, what happened with Bill, and I ended up working with, with Dean for a long time. And we certainly had our moments where we got sideways with each other. I don't know if that's possible not to happen when you work with somebody for a decade. Yeah. But we certainly had our moments where um, we didn't see eye to eye. But for the most part, we really got along well, like really well. Like I, I, I kind of made up for his deficiencies, and he more than made up for mine. And we, uh, I, I'm kind of proud of the days at Channel 9. I mean, the, yeah. the Blitz was kind of our baby. and it's still going, yeah. We broke uh, a few stories while we were there. And uh, so those were good days for me. I mean, I worked really hard, and I wouldn't want to go back to it. I'd hardly slept at all for about 10 years. But, um, but I have a fond spot <laughs> in my heart for Dean Blevins. It is, you know, it's one of those things. I feel like this is something I need to address with you because uh, this table that we're sitting in front of, <laughs> try and move it. Just try. Uh, oh, yeah, it's tough. It's, uh, this is going to be a hard one to flip. The reason that I'm asking about the table or, or mentioning the table is I think I made you as mad as any human being has in the history of the world. It's the worst. I, it's I, the I don't worst, know everything that's gone on it's since the worst we temper worked together. I've ever had publicly. And I could get you to do many, like you and Curtis are very similar, and then if I really get you riled up, you take your water bottles or your Coke bottles or whatever, I think you, were drink, you would drink Coke in the morning, I think. Maybe. And, yeah, maybe. and Curtis, it's usually his pen, uh-huh. but I could, I had this, I, I still, to this day, I have this ability to get people to throw things, right? usually off of a wall, and bounce back and hit me. Like, <laughs> I am like the... So um, you've made Curtis so bad he's thrown master. things. Oh, all it happens all the time. Really? Yeah, that's his his. But you would do it with Coke bottles. No, I didn't like what oh, regularly. No, every, like, like maybe three times. Three times, really? At least twice. I remember the table episode, and I remember throwing a bottle once. But the table episode, like literally, I felt like a horrible human being after because I was being an instigator and a jerk. No. And I think for good radio. Was it no. David West? Is that where we are? No, 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 no. It's because what you said about about uh, TV and how much you you never slept when you worked there. We what we were doing, what we were. You, I think you guys had broken a story at Channel Nine. Okay, and it led me to to say the worst thing that I've ever said, which I have almost made my tried to make up for it, like my entire rest of my career, which was. <laughs> TV journalists aren't real journalists. Oh, I don't remember that. Because because my theory was because you only come on for two or three right. minutes a day uh, and it's going to get phased out eventually because n- everyone just kind of quits watching. And yeah. you got really mad and about it. And that's when I flipped the table? That's when you flipped the table. <laughs> but there was some back and forth. Uh, this was on the air, by the way, right? Yeah, this was on the air. And we're talking six about... Six o'clock in the morning. We're talking about a table that housed all our microphones, our headphone jacks, mm-hmm. uh, any papers that you know we were using. Keyboard. Keyboard, right. computer, like flipped. And you flipped it toward me. The computer wasn't. The keyboard was on the keyboard. Right. And I was wearing flip-flops like I usually do in the morning. And it literally almost like cut, cut the cut ends of t- my feet off. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. How would you have felt if the rest I, of my life I walked around terrible. and people called I, me stubby? <laughs> I feel terrible about it right now. It is <laughs> the most legendary moment in KRF history, though. I mean, they talk about it. They still talk about oh, it. Oh, huh? my goodness. Yeah. Like, there should be. 
We we need to go like take a, a picture and so they can immortalize it. Yeah, I, if only if only cell phone technology had been better. Here's what I could days. say about that moment. One, I probably didn't sleep a lot. It, it's uh, I probably was tired. You had young kids. We're probably keeping. There was you a up. period of time where yeah, I would get home from Channel Nine at midnight. Maybe I would get up in the middle of the night with babies, and then I would leave the house at five to get to the station by six, and it and that was like day in and day out for a while. So. Maybe I could blame it on that, but I love to debate. I, I like in high school debate teams and all that kind of stuff. I really enjoy debating things with people. Yeah, but only to like if if people are willing to give like give and take. Like I make a good point, and they say, "Oh, you've convinced me on this." Yes, and they'll make a good point, and I go, "Oh, I see what you're saying." But every once in a while, you run into somebody who won't give has no interest. In any logical argument you're going to make on a subject, right, yeah. they've just decided my way is right and anything you say is stupid. You must hate watching First Take. I don't watch that show for that very reason. I watched, I stopped several years ago. There's been a few people in my mostly radio career who are like that when they debate. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't do it. I can't do it because I get so angry that no matter what I say, there's no chiseling through the concrete to win them over on a point. Yeah. And... I sh- I'm sure whatever we were talking about, that had to have been it. Because w- there's been a couple of times I got so irate at TJ that I've either hung <laughs> up or w- one time I left. One time I got mad at him in the middle of a show and I went and got in my car and left. I've done that before. And then I went to 7-Eleven and got something and I came back. But One time Curtis compared me to Billy Lucci <laughs> and Jeff Ketchum and said, I do the same thing they do. I told him to stop making that comparison. You left. That I was nothing like them. <laughs> he kept doing it. Neat, like he thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. And like I was really getting pissed. Uh-huh. Like, and I had to apologize to Jeff Ketchum because I really don't hate Jeff as much. And I don't think the apology really hit because we still haven't talked still. since then. <laughs> <laughs> but I just I said, that's it. I told you like three times to stop comparing me to those guys. This is on the air. Yeah, and okay. I got up or this I waited till the break. I was actually semi-professional. So I just it was like he kept doing it and I just I checked out like I just I was sitting in my chair and it was toward the end of a segment and at the very end he was like, "You don't have anything to say, Carrie?" And I I just went like that, uh, you know, was this recent? It's probably about a year and a half ago. Okay. This is about halfway through. You know, we're we're starting our third season together. So it's probably about a year ago. By the way, Curtis Fitzpatrick, a big part of the fun at Channel 9. Yeah. Mark Rogers, Chad McKee. Curtis Curtis tells the story about how he got Chris Harrison's voicemail. Okay. And he never changed it. So he would get all these... When people started watching The Bachelor, <laughs> really, the, he, they would call Channel 9 and leave Chris Harrison messages... And every time he went into the office to check his messages, it was nothing but people complaining about The Bachelor. That's funny. I loved working with Curtis. Um, Curtis was going through the uh, Invisaligns. Oh, yeah? While he was working there. So he'd uh-huh. come in like, like different mouth guards he would have to wear all day. <laughs> this was like for two years. <laughs> and, he, and I'm going to tell you right now, I know that this is stuff that Curtis would not want to be talked about. Really? Yeah. Good. But like, <laughs> like you know Which how they means please continue. They readjust the mouth and the thing, and he'd have to wear them. But his teeth look fantastic now, yeah. so obviously he did the right thing there. He's very sexy. Um, 
Okay, I wanted to ask you about this, because this is... We talked about you never cussing, but I find... One of the things I find most fascinating about you... By the way, before I, I get into this, if you want to ask me anything about the NBA, this is your opportunity, because I know <laughs> you have been chum... You've between become you quite the expert TJ, Between yeah. you and TJ, I get so many harass... Well, not you specifically, but yeah. TJ, I get so many harassing uh, texts from him... Because I had, once again, our stupid debating, I had the crazy stance when the Hornets came here that they were just here to use the city. Uh-huh. And, you hated uh, the NBA. It was, it was a lot like Sooner fans rel- never relenting on cheering for Kevin Durant because he spent a year in Austin. You hated the NBA, and you didn't want us to talk about it. You hated when we talked <laughs> about it because it was stupid. And now every once in a while, I'll catch your show... And you can't talk enough NBA. I mean, you are, you are Mister Thunder now. It's I'm proud of you. I have nothing to say other than I'm proud Look, of the I, evol- I, evolution that you've made. My opinion of the NBA back when we worked together was that it was it was a worthless regular season mm-hmm. because nobody tried until the playoffs started. But you know, as a kid, I loved watching the Bulls and the Pistons. Um, I love you know watching New York when they were a bunch of jerks. I liked watching Reggie Miller, but I only watched playoff basketball when I was a kid, and I was just dismissive of the NBA in general. And I thought it was kind of cute to say you know they're just mm-hmm. they're stealing you know money from our we we had our not drag just over to, David West. David West was yes our greatest fight. You know the funny thing is now like years later. I think we both were right. I yeah, I agree. As many fights he was as we very had, valuable, over David he West. was a very valuable basketball player. I but said he was not a superstar, and he really, in my mind, still. What did he have? Two All Star appearances. Two time All Star, David West. Yeah. yeah, you never let me forget that. Two time All Stars. Yeah, this was when he was at the Hornets, and and they picked him up, and it was him and and Chris Paul, and I thought David West was really good, and you kept calling him a journeyman. Yes, and in the end, I remember that. In the end, he has been a lot of places. So I think journeyman, but that's kind of by fair. his choice a yeah. little bit. Yeah. So I think we both were right in the end. How great is that? I, I feel I, good about that. I do too. Mm-hmm. Our greatest argument is a tie. That's right. Our greatest argument is you a tie. had a hard time admitting that. No, I'm glad that I finally get to say that to okay. you. Yeah, I have no problem with that. But I'm not real proud of the way I behaved back in those days. Do I get like like? Little veiled shots, like almost like subtweets on your show. Yes, about that still. Um, like you don't mention me by name, but you just say things like it's interesting that I hear a anytime guy talking David NBA West. Now we've we have joked about that about you in the past. Yes, but not just you. <laughs> There's a lot of people in the media who are not NBA fans who now are NBA fans, which makes sense. Yeah. Because there's an NBA team here now. There's a lot of fans like that now too. But yeah, see, we reference you frequently on our show, just not by name. Sometimes by name. I really don't care. I, I know see, that's what's so bizarre about your radio station. Like you guys can get away with that stuff. Like you know, I, I'm not saying I is it a don't problem that we're talking right now? I don't know. At I didn't, your I didn't, station is it a problem that I'm I, on your podcast because I, there's this weird thing in Oklahoma City. Yeah, that all of us are supposed to ignore the fact that. Any other station exists, right? Like you, like you, I, you know that the sports animal won't have me on. Well, you work for another radio station, exactly. But, but there's also, let's face it, there's also whether it's the it's only Synergy station in America whatever, that won't have me on. 
<laughs> it is. It's the only radio station in America well, that won't have me but on. But the other radio station that's in the market, mm-hmm. you're on there anyway because you're doing the OU game. I understand the logic. You don't need to explain the logic. I'm just saying. There's I'm this, explaining for our listeners. I, this, mean, I don't want, I don't want sh- it to be made out like our station is so horrible. I'm not sure the dynamic in Oklahoma City for sports radio is the same across the country. You know what I mean? Like, there's you this- really think like in Kansas City, someone else working for another radio station would be a guest on a radio station? No, in no, that no, same no, market? no, no, no. Probably not. But there's almost like this: you can't even admit people exist or talk about them on your show and stuff. I don't know. We talk about you or other people on our show, yeah. all the time, and nobody's ever said anything about it. So it's very different. When you're working for a company that has a corporate structure, like today, there was a one of the biggest bosses in the company was was in there. Like, we have this little thing when you walk in uh, that has like birthdays, anniversaries, things like that, and it said "Welcome." Um, Jeff Brown is his name. He's mm-hmm. from Cumulus, uh, and he was coming in to visit just to kind of do the you know not annual, but every once in a while the the corporate people come in, and it's like you feel. I think when you work for the sports animal or a bigger company like that and maybe you feel some of this working for OU because there's a lot of people a lot of moving parts but you feel kind of the weight of everyone above you a little bit not right. not in a bad way that makes it hard to do your job mm-hmm. but you just know that you don't want to do something stupid for instance you don't want to make fun of someone that's probably a sponsor has been a sponsor say that you hate sure. their, what they do absolutely and I think it's viewed People that work at other radio stations it's kind of viewed the same way. Probably. It's probably why I'm still where I'm at. I enjoy the freedom. Yeah. In that. Yeah. It's a I'm not I'm not, not that I don't ri- want to be insulting. Not that we're ripping on people. It's just it's funny. Yeah. It's the sports radio uh re- this market in sports radio I find entertaining. It's fu- it's funny about the um I don't, I don't even know how to put it properly. Uh, I don't think it was like that in television. I mean, it's not like, yeah, but television. We all got, you got along with each other, and we we would have each other on each other's radio shows, and yeah. and we have like all the different radio stuff on our TV shows, and everybody intermingles, except and news and newspaper guys kind of work together and stuff. But sports radio, then there's walls up. I remember. Don't even talk about that. Person. I remember the first. See, like I'm, I'm. This is my podcast. I can talk about what I want, and I'm a little hesitant to. <laughs> yes, but I remember the first time I went to Big Twelve Media Days after the franchise started, and oh, I'm there's walking. Gonna be a meeting over that. Yeah, I'd probably so. You're gonna have to edit that out. Uh, I won't. I'll see what happens. Uh, you know me. I am used to being in trouble okay. most of the time. Let me know if you get called in. I got conference. called by somebody today that was unhappy with a promo that they were running that works at OU, so that I was involved in. Um. That's the other thing too. Like I never, the thing that I enjoy now is like, I think I know how to not get in trouble with Bob, but it's the people around Bob you're always getting in trouble with. It's like you the, you're getting in trouble with yeah, like you know when I, I don't for want stuff to get you trouble, write stuff I write or say mm-hmm. you know, um, I, what anyway. I understand that. The uh, but no I'm so I'm going to Big Twelve Media Day. You're not saying you get in trouble. They yeah. just disagree with something you say. Like the franchise has started. Sam Mays used to be a fill in on the Sports Animal, and um, Colby um, Daniels. I think that's right. He 
he was a board up at, at the Sports Animal for a while. Mm-hmm. And then he went to the Triple Play in, in Stillwater. And so I'm walking in, and I can't really say I had a relationship with Sam much when he was at the station. He was filling in. You know, I was doing morning stuff. We never really, I don't think we ever worked, did a show together ever. Um, I think because of the way I am on the radio, because of the way he is, we probably assume some things about each other, which is always bad. Right. Like, and so I'm walking down the the hallway. It's when it was at the, uh, it's it at the. In Norman? The the media hotel that they have now. Oh, for oh Big the Tony. Omni. The Omni. It was at the Omni. And so I'm walking down and I see like Sam and Colby standing there. And I really don't know, like, am I supposed to, you know, say hello to him or whatever? And I just got this sense of hostility. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, okay, I guess, you know. Very competitive. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to. Because I know what you're talking about. Like, TV people, they go out, when they go to games, they go to dinner together. Right. Bowl games. Everybody's yeah. going to dinner. Like, Eddie is kind of in that TV crowd, Eddie Radosevich. Mm-hmm. So Me- he's always going out to eat with, you know, Dylan and and uh, whoever else is in TV. <laughs> it's hard to tell these days. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, John Moss, uh-huh. you know, all those guys, He's they're going out and having a good time and enjoying it. And there's not really any competition. But you're right. In radio, it really is. There's walls. A lot, but you know what I think a big part of it is, and this is I don't care if people take issue with me saying this. People in radio don't go to a lot of stuff. They don't yeah, cover they cover stuff. games, yeah. And things like that. They'll go sit in the press box, but they're not usually going to Big Twelve Media Days. They're not really going on the road to you know cover a you're team. Right. Yeah. So I think you, you're not in that environment. Like I'll never see Sam Mays all year. I don't think. Like he'll never come. He may come to an OU press conference once. Of course, I'm not. I'm not going to Mike Gundy's press conferences. I don't know if he does or not, but I'm assuming with their time and stuff, they probably wouldn't. So it's just funny. I like. I know. I know all you guys at the Animal. I mean, I used to work there, and everybody likes you at the Animal. I'm not, I know I, almost everybody. I don't know Spinozzi real yeah. well, but I know Curtis and Mark and Dusty and Jim and and I know a lot of the guys at the franchise because that's our flagship station. Uh, so we we you know at OU we deal with them a lot and obviously the ref so mm-hmm. it's just kind of weird because you got to think in your mind all right am I allowed to do anything with this person because well it's like when you and I see each here? other in a press box it really is kind of like I, I I've never really been able to put my finger on what a good example would be but it's just kind of like we if we see each other it's like hey it's that guy and you're like right. hey I know you and I mean we're just very jolly and yeah. You know, we're like little kids. We like each that other. see each other we after have, a long after right. a summer break or something. We had a really good time together, and even now when we communicate, we text or or whatever, it's fun, and so we enjoy seeing each other. But there is, if you look around, like the rest of the room is a little shocked that we're talking. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, because we're two different radio stations. Like, radio station. Oh my god, what if people find out? <laughs> <laughs> Carrie's talking to Toby. This is going to really get him in trouble. Well, it'd be like you know. TJ, every once in a while I'll talk to him. I I I love to go see his little kid. You know, like play a baseball game or something sometimes because he's so what, into that. What if somebody takes a picture of you? Yeah, right? but like, what if what if we're like sitting together? <laughs> yeah. And no, what happens? No way that's gonna go. So yeah, it is interesting. What but will happen? This interests about four people though. I don't. Care. Yeah. What will happen at Cumulus Radio when this becomes public that Carrie did a podcast with Toby? Because nobody knows. I can't tell I you. You think you, you won't get in trouble for this? No. You might get in trouble for saying the franchise, but you won't get in trouble for. But I said the franchise on my podcast, so right. 
I don't make that mistake on the air. Okay. On real radio. Not this fake stuff. Okay. I don't know. I didn't even ask you before we started how much time you have. I, I'm good. But my um, responsibilities for the day are done, so you go. This is kind of like our opportunity to be a couple of Bill Simmons, isn't it? Just to talk about things that most people don't care about, but they listen anyway. I hope so. I hope they listen. His show is not doing very well, by the way, on HBO. Is that right? Yeah. I've never seen it. I'm not a huge fan. Apparently, he makes millions off his podcasts. I believe that. And he makes a bunch of money because HBO gives it to him. Are you making money off this yet? No. Maybe after the Toby Rowland show. Is it based on, like, you get a certain number of listeners you can advertise, and then that's how it works? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's just like So maybe this else. is the one that'll launch you. Set me over the top. Right. Um, first time I, I ever heard you on the radio, I was... Uh, Slightly disappointed Eddie Radosevich isn't here. I'm not going to lie. I'm sure he's disappointed, the me- too. The medium easy. Um, <laughs> the first time I ever heard you on the radio, it was when I would go to class in college... I would come back to my car because uh, there was always a, a like a two-hour break, and instead of like going into the union or something, I wanted to listen to sports radio. So That's I would cool. go sit in my car and listen to the Toby Rowland Small College Report on <laughs> WWLS <laughs> on Saturday mornings. Uh, yes, I think I had wow. like a Saturday class or something. But you would, I think you would, didn't you have a, a stint? I think maybe you would fill in every once in a while for like Tony Sellers when he was gone or something. Oh yeah, I filled on uh, yes. And some other shows. Yeah, I, I did. I did a little bit of fill-in work for all the guys uh, at the Animal back in the day. But the small college report mm-hmm. was always just like, I knew that's when you had something because, for crying out loud, you're interviewing guys from small colleges, and yeah. I was listening to it, and I was like, <laughs> why do I care what UCO's uh, track team is gonna do? But it was just, I was like, I like that guy. I've always, I mean, I don't know how old you. We probably. When did you graduate high school? What year? Uh, 91. Okay, so you're a year older than I am. Or you're younger. I'm 42. Okay, so you're a year younger. We can make this real easy. Uh, so we're essentially the same age. And, I, you know, you were in college doing radio, you know, getting your career started. I was in my car sitting there thinking, oh, I like sports radio. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, I always knew that you were going to do something. Because just You've listening never to the small college right before. I don't. I, I know. That. I don't think I ever had. That was funny. Um, I was board opping there, and uh, I approached them. One, well, I think the conference came to me. The Sooner Athletic Conference. That's uh, right. Yeah, I, I was like the conference SID in addition to being Southern Nazarene's SID, and the conference commissioner John Hudson said, "Do you think the animal would ever let you do a?" an hour on there about small college basketball. And I was like, I don't know, I'll ask. So I, I went and asked him, like, on Saturday morning when you don't have any programming going on, can I do an hour? I'll, I'll board op it and host it, and uh, maybe you can sell a couple of ads because that's, like, a whole different community there that, you know, appreciates small college basketball yeah. that would maybe buy some ads and gave them some leads. And uh, they were like, what do we have to lose? We've got nothing on that time of day anyway. So they gave me an hour. On Saturday mornings, and and you were you were, you were what like in your junior? That would have been like your junior year in college. No, no, no. I think I would. I think you just. Think I had just graduated. just graduated. Okay. I think I had started as like the SNUSID at that point, and uh, Dan Lutz hired me to board up the eight to midnight shift. Yeah. Um, as soon as they went off the air till midnight, so I'd listen to uh, a whole lot, whole lot of Bob Valvano yeah. late at night. Yeah. 
And uh, anyway, so the, they let me uh, do that hour, and Dan Hayes and Bobby Martin and all the small college coaches would come on, and we would talk. And people called because that's like a niche community, you yeah. know. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, it worked. We did it for like two or three years, and yeah. And that was on the old six forty. They let me keep doing it. Signal, so it was going all over the place. I guess. Yeah, I think it was going out. I think we were broadcasting it. And and to me, one of the most interesting things about you is that you you mentioned you grew up in a very religious household. Your father was a minister. Still is. Uh, still is. But you weren't allowed to partake in any kind of movies or right. uh, Nazarene. secular music, I guess? Eh, I'm Nazarene. Uh-huh. And so the rules have changed. You're, you weren't like a Quaker. No. When I was growing up, it, the rules were you couldn't go to movies, you couldn't go to dances. Those were the, okay. those were the two I was a Baptist things. and dancing was, was bad. Yeah. So I never went to a prom, and I never went to a movie until I got to college. And so I've had this quest... Was there like a, well, let me stop you there. Was there, like, when you turn 18, it's okay to watch movies in the Nazarene faith? No. Not, no, adults aren't supposed to go to movies. Back then. Back then, okay. Yeah. Nobody, so did the rules the, change right the then? Movies were thought to be um, run by the same community that put out R-rated stuff and X-rated stuff. Okay. And so we, if you went to the movies, you were supporting you that industry. You were supporting industry. that industry. Right. And uh, I think they've they've definitely loosened the strands because my mom goes to movies now. And yeah. The first time my mom found out I went to a movie when I was in college uh -huh. was th the worst conversation I've ever had. What with my movie mom. was it? I don't even remember. You can't remember the first movie you ever. No, saw? I remember the first movie, but that wasn't the one that I got busted on. Like I had gone to a movie with a girl, and my mom called my room. This is pre cell phones. My mom <laughs> called my room, and my roommate answered. And she said, is Toby there? And he said, no, he's gone to a movie. Ooh. And I remember I got back. My mom is just bawling. When I, wow. call, I call her, she's just bawling about how th she thought she had raised me better than that and all that kind of stuff. Meanwhile, fast forward to now, like my mom texted last week, hey, do you want to go to a movie with me? <laughs> so we have progressed. But yeah. yeah, I didn't go to a movie till college and I, and I wasn't allowed to dance, which no, everybody won under that scenario because uh -huh. me dancing is not a good it's not a good scene. I'm surprised that you just don't live your life talking like a you know 1940s reporter guy, like champ, champ, champ. <laughs> Be because I didn't go to movies. Because you just grew up like apparently in an era that was I watched long a lot ago. of I watched a lot of sports. Yeah, I mean, and I listened to a ton. Well, of that's sports. what I figure. You you like sitting in your room listening mm -hmm. to like a Philco radio. Absolutely, I had the, the Walkman, <laughs> and we when I lived in Oklahoma, I lived in Mustang until eighth grade. It was all OU stuff and John Brooks. And when I moved to Indiana, uh, I loved the Cincinnati Reds, but I couldn't hear them in Oklahoma. But in Indiana, I could hear the Reds. So it was Marty Brenneman every day, Marty Brenneman and Joe Nuxall and the Cincinnati Reds. And uh, I would schedule lawn mowings around. I mowed lawn yeah. for money. So yeah, I, I did I would, the same thing. If the Reds up. play at three, I'm going to mow the lawn at three so I could listen to the game while I'm mowing. Yeah. And I loved it when they were on the West Coast because I could lay in bed. They would start at nine. Uh, and I could lay in bed and listen to the game. I kept score during yeah. the game. I was a dork, dude. I was a major, still am. But I mean, back then, that, I mean, there is just, I mean, there's that personality. I think we all knew. Like you, you were an athlete though too, which I, you know, I find, I you can be a dork because you actually played basketball in college and everything. <laughs> that was right, right? You played uh -huh. basketball in SNU, right? Okay, so it's okay that you're a dork. It's the guys that always bugged me were the guys that just wanted to be on the baseball team so they could keep score, like the Ogilvies <laughs> or 
buttermaker. I can't remember which one it was in right. Bad News Bears. But right. those are the guys like, no, you're a nerd, dude. I think it's just that I, I have a hard time. I had a hard time just watching. I needed to be involved in some way. So if I was watching a basketball game, I would get a piece of paper out and I would keep score along with the game. And same with baseball. Um, I don't know. I've just, I just always loved so it. So when you were doing talk radio and then you go into TV, was it always the plan that you wanted to do play-by-play? No, I think that I think that always the greatest job I could ever imagine having, this isn't just somebody saying this, but it's this job. I didn't know that it would ever come open. But is you, it the voice of a power? You know, one of the most tradition-rich programs in in the history of football. I mean, would it have been USC? I mean, listen, if, if, they'd if I couldn't or, have gotten the OU job and Alabama called, I would have taken it just yeah. for being in the industry. But the greatest, but for a kid who grew up a massive Oklahoma Sooner fan, the greatest job I could ever possibly have would be this one. But that's really unlikely. You know, I mean, it's really yeah, unlikely. How many people ever become? I mean. How many people have ever been the play-by-play voice of Oklahoma like football? Yeah. So uh, I, I would have been very happy if I just was in television for the rest of my life. I'm very thankful. The, the, probably the luckiest thing that ever happened was my junior year in college. I was on the basketball team, and I stunk. And I wasn't playing at all. And my coach said, um, if you'll give us your scholarship back, we will give you an equivalent scholarship to start the sports information department at Southern Nazarene. Hmm. And you can, because we know what you want to do, we can, you can call our games. So I started calling SNU, and all they had was basketball. But while I was there as SID, they started a football program and a baseball program in the four years I was there. And we broadcasted their games and just put them on the Internet back in the early days of the Internet. But I got to learn how to call football and baseball games in addition to basketball games, for about five years yeah. by myself. And that was so fortunate that they expanded their athletic department at the same time. Otherwise, fast forward to OU's looking for somebody, and all I had ever called was basketball. You know, that would have never happened. So, you, I mean, you mentioned, I know sometimes, you know, as a religious person, you look at things the way they work out, and you get sent down another path that you didn't see coming. And, you know, that becomes a big part of, you know, faith and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were at KRF together, and you can just tell me, you don't want to talk about this, but... No, I'll talk about you it. Had the an Thunder op- thing? You had an opportunity to go be the sideline reporter for the Thunder. Right. Um, I don't want to get sued by anybody or threaten to get sued by anybody. <laughs> I don't but, think you're getting in trouble. But there was an, uh, something happened... And that some people claim that that opportunity got sabotaged. Well, I don't know if sabotage is the right word. I had a contract with uh, the T- with Channel 9 and with the radio station at the Ref. Mm-hmm. Different ownership than we have now. And Channel 9 realized the opportunity and cut me free, or was willing to cut me free, and say, you know, go do the Thunder thing. They were great about it. They, they were, yeah. you know... Um, I think I had three years left on my contract at Channel 9, and they wow. were like, you know, this is a once-in-a-lifetime chance. Go for it. That didn't happen at the radio station. The radio station, I had one year left on my contract, and they held me to it. Uh, it was prob- It was a situation where they had a non-compete, 
and I was going to be on television for the Thunder. Right. So if it if they had gone to court, the lawyer, my lawyer anyway, seemed to be convinced it wouldn't have been a deal. Like yeah. I would have been able to get out of the contract easy and go to work for the Thunder. But just the threat of a lawsuit scared the Thunder away because they had just been through the whole um, Seattle situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Was, it's They're just like, this, yeah, we like Toby Rowland. No, no, we not want that him, much. But we don't want the, he- <laughs> right. the, the headache of dealing with We can with this find stuff. another sideline guy. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal to us. So it, it but got, that the was, door got closed. That had to be professionally just awful. crushing for you. It was crushing. It was, it was, it was crushing because I thought I had the job. I had the job. Uh, a kid from Indiana had an NBA sideline. I was going to be in the NBA, and I was going to travel the world with an NBA team. And it was a, pay, a significant pay raise and prestige, and the, th- the thunder had just come. This was when they first arrived in the city, and I was going to get to be a part of it. It was very exciting. It was really hard on my marriage. Like We went through a hard time because we thought we had it, and then we were disappointed, and then I got kind of depressed, and... There was about a year there where it was wow. pretty bad, pretty bad. But I think your point you're going to make is, thank God, you know, I mean, in the end. Let, before we before I ask you that, though, let me ask you, why did you stay with the same radio station after that had happened? Um, I don't, I mean, I was under contract, obviously. Mm-hmm. But when that year and ran needed, out, when that year ran out, well, obviously, something happened to make you feel comfortable about staying. At there. some point in their ownership, was that the changed. ownership change? At some point in their ownership changed, and I think you know, I don't know, I don't want to go into that. I, that might have been a part of the whole deal, but uh, I I love Randy Lafoon, who owns the station now and mm-hmm. has been absolutely awesome to work for. He put a studio in my house for Pete's sake. He yeah. takes care of my family. Uh, there, he's phenomenal, and so I think that just you know. After about a year, everything calmed down. I, I, I like doing a show. Yeah, I didn't hate doing a show. I so still, he was he was a big part of. I you. still needed the money. He was a big part of you kind of recovering from that. Then. Randy, yeah, Randy was a big part of recovering from that, and I and is why I still work there today. Because I mean, there's been other opportunities since the Oklahoma thing came along. And yeah, I've it's never just, been in a meeting with your name coming up or anything. <laughs> it's just hard to imagine not working for Randy. You know, I mean, maybe yeah. I will someday, but he's just awesome he's just great so out of that disappointment i don't know how long it was when i know i always knew kenny mossman was a big fan of yours uh and the work that you did and we talked about that a lot and he brought it up a lot but eventually was that after the the did you get hired on to start doing more tv stuff with ou sidelines or sooner sports was coming up at that point you know channel nine had a relationship with ou uh, they they had a David Griffin at Channel Nine owned a piece of Sooner Sports Properties, so there was always kind and of and this, this was probably before Rinda was sold to Tyler, right? Yes, this there was always kind of an inclination that when they needed somebody, they would look at Channel Nine first. Mm-hmm. Thus, Dean did some work right, for yeah. them. I mean, obviously Dean was a quarterback, but some of our other Channel Nine people would be used before maybe some other people in the market because of that. So when they needed a sideline guy, Mark got the job. Remember? I remember, before, yeah. Before mm-hmm. I was, uh, Mark had the job for a while. And then uh, I had done some freelance stuff for OU. I had called some women's basketball games and some softball games and stuff in a pinch. So they knew of me. And I kind of got my name in the mix for the sideline gig and, and got the, in 09, got the sideline job. So that was kind of the first 
full-time thing I did for OU. Full-time, but you know what I mean. That's yeah. the first time they hired me to do a job. And that was, I mean, I remember, I can't remember where that was. We went to eat at the Cheesecake Factory was that in Nebraska that one time. Uh, me and you? Yeah, me and you. Was that with OU? Uh, it was, uh, OU was playing Nebraska, I think. I did that game. And we, we were... It was I like think 10 to 9. It was a up, terrible football game. We somehow met up in the... Oh, God, that, it was a terrible... We somehow met up that night, and I think we I was staying in like Omaha, and you were staying in Lincoln, and we were giving each other rides or something like that. And, okay. Um, I believe you. I don't know where I was going with that story, other than to say I remember those days, you know, when you right. were a sideline guy, and Bob, you know, was still... Obviously still around, still doing the games. Yep. Were you, were you always thinking that... It was gonna. Had you gotten assurances like someday you will be the guy, or no, did no. were you just going on faith that eventually I you would ha- get a crack I, at the I, job? I, I no faith at all. I just, um, I was ecstatic that I got to be on. The, I mean, I was on the OU broadcast. I was on the OU radio broadcast. Yeah. That was unbelievable. That I remember just crying, telling my dad that I'm on the OU. Can you believe this? This I've listened to forever, and I'm the sideline guy now. The great. I'm on the. Just not just being on the broadcast, but I'm on the sidelines. First game, Sam Bradford gets hurt and knocked out, and I'm interviewing Bob Stoops after. It was just beyond my wildest dreams that I was even yeah. on the broadcast. Wasn't even thinking about play-by-play. Obviously, Bob's career was winding down, but nobody knew how much longer he was going to go. And to be honest with you, I would have probably hoped he had gone another two or three years just so I could have been a little bigger personality yeah i'd only been there two years yeah and so when he retired i thought i'm not i'm not gonna get the job i i i there's bigger names yeah there's bigger fish oh you can get whoever they want carpenter's name was thrown around a lot at that point i mean i don't know if i feel comfortable saying names but yeah there there i'm sure there are bigger bigger names who were interested and they could have gotten so i didn't really think my chances were great i i Believed in myself, and I think I, I'm good at calling a game, and I knew that the the resume tape that I gave them was good. And I think one thing that I don't know if people remember that really helped me is the day that they honored Bob, his final home game at OU. At halftime, they brought him down onto the field. Do you remember that? Yeah. In a cart, they brought him out onto mm-hmm. the field. And everybody. Well, they brought him down with like, Three or four minutes to go in the first half, they came and got him out of the booth. Right, I remember and they this. They brought me up to call the last three minutes of the first half. First time they had ever done that. And the plan was, I'm going to come up at halftime. Bob's going to call the whole first half and then go down. And just in case he can't come back up, and just in case he doesn't get back up for the start of the second half, you're going to call the first drive of the second half. And he'd had some knee replacements, I think, at that time or something. That was what was the problem with his mobility. Something, yeah. He had some health issues, and anyway, when I got up there, there was a couple, two or three minutes to go in the first half. He left, and I wasn't ready to start calling the game yet. I thought I had all of <laughs> halftime to get ready, but he you had no co- charts or anything. No like- charts, nothing. He he go. I thought I was going to get to sit in his chair, so I put on the headset in the back row by Michael Dean. He gets up and leaves, and I think he's coming back, and he doesn't come back. And Michael Dean looks at me and goes, "You got it." And I was like, what are you talking about? And this is like it. coming out of a break. Coming out of a break. Bob's not back. He's left. I didn't know he was leaving. And OU gets the ball and goes on a touchdown drive. Thank God they went on a touchdown drive. I'm fully convinced if they go three and out and punt, 
you know, it's no impression at all. Yeah. But they go on a touchdown drive, uh, and I I get a touchdown call, and I think that helped. I think that helped so that when they were looking for, do you remember the spin you put on that call? There was no spin. It was it was it was I'm in my lane. I'm not. We're not adding that much color. I, I don't think I spin a lot now, but yeah. I certainly wasn't dropping any. Well, there was oh no mamas, oh mamas no, or anything. No. no, no. There was, there was touch. There was a touchdown, and and it went well. Yeah. And so that was a part of the resume tape, and I think that helped. And the fact that you I've didn't even asked, know you were going to be calling. That. I've never asked Joe about that, but mm-hmm. in my mind, that helped. I don't know. How much interaction do you have with Joe? A lot. Why is that? I don't know. We get along really well. Uh-huh. I, we enjoy each other's company. I guess I just meant from, are there like, is it a job related stuff or is it just general, really. you know, conversation? Um, Mostly general conversation. When we're on the road, he, I, you probably know this, he loves diners. <laughs> and that's like a whole, that's like become a whole thing in the department, hasn't yeah. it? Larry yeah. Nafee, yeah. Michael Alford, Joe, if, if we're on the road, he'll call me up and say, hey, we're going to breakfast tomorrow morning, such and such place. We found a diner. Yeah. So we love going to diners together. Um, we'll, we'll text and talk about, uh, you know, games that are going on or whatever. Uh, on occasion, if there is something going on in the athletic department that he feels like it would be good for me to have information for my show, though I understand something more clearly, yeah, he'll call and just kind of talk through something with me. Not talking points. But just just so you're in the know and you can speak wisely on this subject, here's what's going on. And I really appreciate that. There's been a couple of occasions where they've chosen to uh, break a story that way or something. Um, but we get along great. I think Joe loves the world of broadcasting. You know, yeah. he's very proud of the different people at Missouri. Well, your name's Joe Castiglione. Right, right. Uh, he, he has really been a kingmaker for a lot of people in yeah. the world of broadcasting. And so... He loves, he loves what we do, and so a Just lot of times my career and see what when he doesn't help you how bad it goes. <laughs> he comes into the booth a lot during football Does he really? games, huh. especially on the road because there will be a uh, like a his uh, his booth will have a bunch of donors in it and stuff. He's got to escape them. Well, not escape them, but sometimes it gets to crucial points in the game, and I think he feels. Like he f- sees it better if he hears you calling. He, he it. comes in and wants to be with us, and he'll, it maybe he focuses a little better or something. Yeah. So sometimes I won't even know he's back there. It's like a, yeah, I imagine for him sometimes it's like a Super Bowl party, like the the women chattering about you know non football issues just gets know. on your nerves and you have to get away. Maybe I remember we were at West Virginia a couple of years ago. Well, it was the Landry Jones drive, and the fifty to forty eight game or whatever it was. And they have the touchdown, the Kenny Still slant pattern that right. wins it. And somebody's grabbing me by the shoulders and kind of shaking me as I'm calling it. And I turn around and it's Joe. I didn't even know he was in the booth. <laughs> so yeah, we have a great relationship. That's, I think that's awesome. I think I want to let you get out of here. I don't want to keep you. I could talk to you for like three hours about stuff. But Do people listen for three hours. People, one guy on the board asked us if we could start making our podcast two hours after the last one. Let's keep going. No, we don't need to do that. Yeah. Um, I've told you this before, and this is kind of one of the things that you and I talk about the most is like, I'll watch your show, uh, your coach's show with Bob yeah. and I'll always send you comments. Like it's unbelievable how much at ease you two have become with each other. Like, and it's not just, I mean, look, it, it does rely on Bob giving something, which he's not always been great at doing, but you could, uh, you know, in the beginning, I think you could tell, like, 
I know you. I can tell when you're free and easygoing and it's it's really working. And I I, I really want to dial up. I have it on my computer. I really want to dial up the K State you know post game call with the guy that uh, the 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 guy that ended call ins. You know what I'm talking is about? It, is it? I, the, I remember that night. It's but the I guy don't that calls the from call. Tulsa. Saying he took a busload of people up to the game. Oh, we showed up. Why didn't you? Yeah, show up we somewhere? showed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like the look on your face when that guy <laughs> is asking the question, and you're wondering, like, where is Bob going to take us? Like, I'm really, I'm concerned here, but I'm also really intrigued to find out what happens. Uh, that show is the hardest thing I do all week. I. It's not I don't dread it. That's not the right word, but I think about it constantly. Yeah. And has it gotten it's gotten it has to be oh, easier yeah, it, now because it looks like it's easier it's, it's to not, do it for you now. It's not hard. It's just if you think about it, when the game ends on Saturday, he does a post-game press conference. Then on Sunday he does a, a TV show with Dean. Then on Monday, he sits with you guys for 40 minutes and answers questions. And he's probably had another post-practice interview session before he gets to that show on Tuesday night. So what in the heck am I going to ask him that about the last week that hasn't already been asked, you know? I mean, so I'm constantly trying, and I've got him for an hour. You guys have the, the brightest and best media minds in Oklahoma for 40 minutes who are peppering him with questions. Yeah. And I've got him for an hour by myself. You're overselling the media, by the way. Well, I'm just saying. So I'm, I've got a pad of paper at home, and I'm constantly writing down potential questions. And it's, you're right. There, it, over the last five years, uh, he has grown more comfortable with me. Mm -hmm. I think w the first year I was a media guy. You know, He had sat at a press conference and looked at me sitting where you sit yeah. for a long time. And now I'm sitting next to him, and he still kind of saw me that way. And over time, that has worn down, and we've done enough caravans together and interviews and been in his office, and we've been through stuff together. Yeah. Now. And so that's not – he doesn't see me that way anymore. So there's a comfort You're level. You're kind of one of his guys now. Well, to some extent, he knows we're on the same team. Yeah. I'm not out to get him. And so he is comfortable with me most nights, and I'm comfortable that – that I can get something out of him. I, I used to go in with the fear that I'm going to run out of questions, there's going to be 20 minutes left in the show, and then what are we going to do? Mm -hmm. And I know now that, that I can get him to talk a little about Youngstown, or I can get him to talk about his family, or there's, you know, hopefully we can get some interesting stories out tonight that people haven't heard before yeah. that'll make it worth watching. Otherwise, I mean, what's he going to say that is worth watching? Because he's already said it five yeah, or six press times. Conference, yeah. So... That's part of it. I mean, and it, it doesn't help you that the the press conferences are now televised, so everybody sees. There's n information is never hidden, right? Like if, and the people that watch his coaches show are the same people watching his press conference. I do get criticized for like not asking tough enough questions, but well, let me ask you about that. Okay. I mean, you know, you are you gave up television, and, and like I said when we started, saying you won two Emmys. You're 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 I'm very still in good television, but you're I'm not very on good. Channel Nine anymore. as a and I don't want to get. I don't want you to turn the table over. I'm getting the bad situation here. <laughs> but I mean, when you're, I think there's a difference between. I mean, you tell me. Do people? You feel like people look at you differently now as opposed to when you were working at Channel Nine and just doing the radio thing. 
Like in what way? Like you, you're not in the trenches with us anymore. Like, the media people? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they look at me different. They probably. I've. I'm a. Or does it even? I do think, you care? Do you? Don't does people it bother get it? You? I mean, I mean, people get it. Yeah. Right. I mean, you get what my well, job not, is. You're not going around saying I am. You know, I'm just as you know important as anyone else in in the media. I mean, you're not. I understand some. I understand what your job is, and mm-hmm. John Hoover's job is, and Dean Blevins, and it's different than mine. You understand that my job is different. I think. I mean, I, I don't think people expect me to show up on that Tuesday show with Bob and say, "All right, let's uh, let's go." Why didn't you, why didn't Jordan you pass Thomas? It <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Joe Mixon. Let's yeah. go. You know, I yeah. mean, I think people get it. That's a different show, and all that stuff is going to take place when you guys are with him. Because you are, that's your job. Mm-hmm. And uh, my job in the title says Sooners. I mean, I'm, I'm on yeah. his team. Yeah. So I'm probably not going to, uh, hopefully I can get good information out of him and hopefully I can get insight. And if we want to, if he wants to break some news on that show, great. And I don't think I'm, I think I'm willing to chase, uh, if he asks something, it, it, let's say they didn't, uh, uh, you know they fumbled the ball a couple of times. I'm willing to ask him about hey, yeah, what's going on yeah. with the fumbling and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but I'm not I'm not going to pin him against the wall him, yeah. and say you know that's his show. It's not it the be accusatory right. questions are not happening on that, and and they're usually not happening in press conference because they face shouldn't. It, yeah, I mean it happens though. I mean it, some people like to use that. No, stage I mean they should on that show on my show. They shouldn't. That's not okay. the place for it. Yeah, press conferences. Sure. I mean I used to ask those questions. Mm-hmm. Not as well as you, but I don't ask. I mean, I'm just a. You're not afraid. You've got more. <laughs> you've got more huevos than I do. I just. I think I know Bob well enough to ask him in a way that doesn't get him. Because, like, if you ask, if you he does come like at, you, why you does he come, like you? I don't know. I really don't know. He don't you feel like he does like you though? It, he calls you by name. He doesn't call yeah. everybody by name. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, like, it's it's. It's interesting because I've been there for so long and I've seen the sur I mean he was surly for so long like mm-hmm. there was no give it was all he's changed hasn't yeah he? he's changed tremendously yeah. and I think it's a great thing and I find it both funny and slightly endearing and also just weird like you, okay so you like me now but you know we used to be I I would have to find myself in press conferences in the past like I would I would find myself okay. You need to shut up because you are arguing with Bob Stoops in the middle of a press conference now. <laughs> like, and I would literally catch myself doing that, and I would just give up because I didn't want to be that big of a jackass. But yeah, it is different now because there's not that there's not a whole lot of contentiousness. And I think I think here's the thing I think with Bob is that he just wants you to be fair. He doesn't want you to take shots unnecessarily. Right. right. Uh, to feel like that you're, you know, trying to get him or his program or somebody, I think he feels like I don't necessarily, I don't unnecessarily go out of my way to like grand. He thinks you're fair. Grandstand, yeah. To be, I try to be fair, mm-hmm. and it doesn't hurt that you have some people. I think, and I won't name any names, that typically get under his skin on a regular basis, mm-hmm. and I'm not one of. I'm, I'm, I'm glad not to be one of those. I do think that you need in the media and the press conference setting, you need that guy. Dave Sittler was really good at being that guy. Mm-hmm. Barry Trammell, I think, has gone back and forth between being too much and not enough and, and you know, the whole thing about 
I remember the question about Dusty Dvorak. This is cracking, the whole podcast cracking right skulls. Here. Breaking down the OU media press conference. Media performances at the OU press conference. That's I'm a just whole saying, podcast. I mean, we're talking about Bob and why he reacts the way he does. I, I'm trying to explain it. Do you not want me to? No, 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 I do. I'm saying this is, you're going, Don't please don't stop. I'm saying this is a whole podcast. Oh, you, we, we could make go, a whole we podcast. We could go person by person yeah. and analyze isn't, their performances. See, and isn't it kind of cool that he's been around long enough that we can know him in this way? We don't really know him. Like, mm-hmm. he, he's not inviting me over for barbecue, mm-hmm. but I know kind of what makes him tick a little bit, and I think that's cool. We, under, we understand his personality. Yeah. To to a great extent, I think, and how he deals with us. I mean, yeah, the media or, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, he I definitely just, has changed. I it he's I don't know how many times you've dealt with him so far. Obviously, today you had a deal with him. You can have something with him tomorrow, I guess. Yeah, we got the Sooner Sports Experience tomorrow okay. night. Um, has he seemed to even you know in a better mood or I don't know? Yes. that's not the way to put it, but he's it just right. seems like he is. He's in a great mood. Like mm-hmm. nothing's bothering him. He's not. He's not waiting for someone to ask him some question. He's going to jump down somebody's throat over. No, I agree. I, he seems uh, comfortable in him in his skin. He seems comfortable with his program. Um, you're right. There's not. There's not that edginess to him right now that in the past maybe you have seen. But I think that's been a something that has kind of breaking broken down over time. He has gone from. In my opinion, in fact, we may have even talked about this on the on the Tuesday night show. He has gone, I think, from dreading those press conferences to embracing them. I think he looks forward to the give and take now. Yeah, which I always think he's been he's been kind of interested in sparring with people to a degree. It's that whole, but there's been some lifting of the. I hate doing all this stuff. Like, he somehow found a way to embrace media opportunities more. Here's what I always tell. Uh, I get the opportunity to speak to uh, college broadcast class quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I always tell them about Bob. He is the greatest final exam you could ever have to be an interviewer. Like, yeah. if, you, if you want to be in the world of media and you're taking an interviewing class or whatever, Bob's the greatest final exam you could have. No offense to Sherry Cole. I I love Sherry Cole. Yeah. But I could ask Sherry Cole anything. And it's going to be a good answer or a thoughtful answer. She will yeah. give a brilliant yeah. answer. I could say, so, hot. <laughs> She'll go and give you a brilliant answer. Yeah. If you ask Bob a bad question, he's going to tell you that's a bad question. Right? He won't say that directly, but he'll Sometimes make you he will. feel so small Right, that you'll realize you need to do better. He'll next either time. insinuate it's a bad question, or he'll say, and he said before, "Come on, Toby, that's not a good question." <laughs> it, it, you have to. Ask, that's why I think about that show so much because you have to it, to get a good answer out of him. You have to ask a good question, and if you ask a good question, he will give you gold. Yeah, but you've got to really. You can't just flop it out there. I mean, you can't just sloppily say so. Yeah. You know, hey, third downs. And he's gonna go. What's the what? What about third? What, is there a is there a question there? I mean, but some some coaches will. So I I guess I appreciate that about him. But it also really makes you work. Yeah. And when that show's over on Tuesday nights, I sleep well. Well, I think I've kept you long enough. Um, like I said, we could talk about. There's a million other things we could talk about. Well, are they recruiting people? Are you even gonna listen to this? Because this is no recruiting people, at all. It's 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 like a different. 
There's a, a lot of people really enjoyed the Jason Kersey podcast. I think people are going to love this podcast. Just there are hope so. There are eighty thousand people that show up to games, Toby. I don't, I don't know if your, you know this. I don't go to your message boards, and you shouldn't. They scare me to death. The fact that you've said that will probably no, make me not sleep well tonight. on you. It makes me believe. Look, that I'm telling you this. You're. I, I will tell you this. Just with the general OU fan, your scene setters are legendary. Like people that, accepted that is, well. That is, if anyone had any issues with you in the past, which I don't really think very many people did, like that people love those. They 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 repost them. They talk about them. Mm-hmm. So kudos. Well, on good. Them. I, that makes me happy. It makes me happy. Poet laureate Toby Rowland. Well, Got to be remembered for something, right? <laughs> I think you'll be remembered for more than just <laughs> scene setters. I got to go home now and try to figure out what to say about the opener. Uh, the typical fan question, season prediction, should I even ask you? What are you telling people on the radio? Because, uh, by the way, I would love to say I listen to you every morning, but we're on at the same time, so I jerk. can't really... You're a jerk. I do catch we you get, when you replay at 6 o'clock. I enjoy that. I don't necessarily make predictions. Like, I think they're going to go 10-2 and two or 11-1. and one. But, you Somebody's know... He's calling me. I hope it's not Bob Stoops. Who, 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 see who it is. Hold on. See who it is. This is good. Can you make your way to your phone safely? Carrie is heading across his living room now. This looks a ver- very much like an American Ninja Warrior obstacle course. There's a guitar he's just stepped around. There's a computer terminal in the middle of the living room floor. And he's almost back around the vacuum cleaner, and now he's seated. I just did play-by-play of you going across the living room and back. I'm going to have that played at my funeral someday. Yeah. What, What's who was it? What's the 636 area code? I did all that for nothing. It wasn't, wasn't as good as we hoped, I guess. I don't remember the question. How was your play-by-play? Well, you have to wait till the podcast comes out. I can't wait to listen to this now. Mm-hmm. All right, Toby Rowland. Thanks uh, for having me Very on, special. Man. Hey, thanks for coming over, man. I really do appreciate it. You look fantastic. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate can't it. wait to uh, sit in press boxes that you're calling games in this fall. Well, when will we see each other? In Houston, I guess. Yeah, we'll see each other in Houston. Okay. Well, I see Maybe you. I'll see you tomorrow night. I will I excitedly embrace you when I see you in Houston. And Do we all have the to other, hug? All the other radio people will look at us like, oh, my God, they're breaking all kinds of rules right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that, Tony. Right, Let's we'll break do. all the rules. <laughs> we'll do that. All right, Good all right man. You, Thanks a lot.